If you would stand with me once more this morning, and we want to find one of the screens, and we have two passages of Scripture. One is a series text that we're using to begin this new series called Red Letter Prayers. Uh, and this one begins in Matthew 7. Read with me this morning. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, stop right there, say those three words with me, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? We see from the beginning that God is a good God. He is a benevolent God. He is a giving God. Prayer is not for the purpose of wrestling blessings out of the hand of God. As we begin this morning, I want to underline that in your thinking. Okay. Now our message text for today. And you know this one. Uh, it begins in Matthew chapter 6. It says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. Read with me. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, Pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. And let's make it a prayer now. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. It's wonderful when you can read your text, and it's the prayer for the day as well. I, um, as I begin today, I just want you to recognize some critical truths concerning prayer. I, I, I believe that as Christians, we know that we should, and I know that we certainly do call on the Lord when we face a crisis. I think that prayer... Uh, is something that should be utilized beyond the time of crisis. Come on, come on. I believe that it is not merely something that is uh, to be sort of as a fallback uh, when you've done everything else, then pray. But as believers, as people, new creation, men and women, who now are the temple of God, who are the carriers of the seed of God, who are filled with the greater one who is on the inside of us, we make the determination that we're going to do as the master, the master prayer himself, showed us how to pray. And prayer is about relationship. It is not just about allocating resources. It is not merely 
for the purpose of being able to check off a grocery list or a needs situation. And too many times that's the thing that prayer is uh, basically utilized for. And I think that is certainly legitimate if we are immature, if we're very new in our walk. Certainly I know that uh, I, I, something over the years after having been in the ministry now for well over 25, close to 30 years, pastoring this church now in our 23rd, and having seen many times when new believers get saved, it's amazing how their prayers are just popping, getting answered. And, and I, I began to see something one day. It's like the Spirit of the Lord gave me a little bit of revelation. He said, well, you know, when, when Drew was born into your family, didn't you jump every time you heard him cry? And every time he would bellow out or wail or cry or whatever, we were all about trying to make sure that whatever needs he had were met. He would, had a bottle put in his mouth. He had a fresh diaper put on him. He was always being fed, taken care of. But, you know, as he got older, we learned to teach him how to go to the refrigerator. And it was amazing how when he opened the door that that already pre-made gallon jug of tea was there. There was provision. It was always there. And as he continued to grow, we actually thought, you know, it's time to just let him know that that thing just doesn't appear when you open the refrigerator. But now you're growing a little bit older, son, so we want to teach you that these are tea bags and they go in this, on the stove in hot water. And then you put them in some sugar water that's already been dissolved. There's a certain way to make right good sweet tea, let me just tell you. Okay? And, and, and so we, we, we taught him that, you know, that, that doesn't just automatically appear when you open the refrigerator door. And I believe the same thing happens as we make our steps to mature in God. When we first are born again, it's like every prayer you pray is just getting answered all over the place. And then some of us, somewhere along the way, almost feel like we've hit a wall in our spiritual growth. And, and we're going, I'm praying, but God's not answering my prayers. And let me tell you, that's a wonderful place to be in because God is actually teaching you how to begin to grow up and to utilize your faith. And how to begin to go to the refrigerator and take out the empty tea jug and get the bags in the water and start to make... And provide for, because God has already given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Sometimes he just wants you to do a little bit of mixing up. Yeah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. When he gives us the power to get wealth, it doesn't mean that he's just going to drop a big bank account on you. It means he gives you the ability to have a, an idea, to develop the business, to get up every day consistently year after year and show up at work. And that's the power to get the wealth. Come on, somebody. And it's to work, and it's to labor, and it's to see God bless the work of your hands. And so when we begin this whole series on prayer, it, it, it really, I want to bring it from a God-centered focus. And we start with a couple of things that I'm not going to take a long time on, because Pastor Haley next Sunday is really going to be hitting this even more so than I am today. But I just want to introduce, because of the passage and the context in Matthew chapter 6, where we just read, Jesus tells us, don't be like the hypocrites. Everybody say hypocrites. hypocrites. So these are the religious folks who put on the show, but actually don't have a life that is matching up with what they are saying. Number one, Jesus said, don't be like the hypocrites. They are showy. Everybody say showy. And then secondly, he said, don't be like the heathen with all of their vain repetitions because they think that they're going to be heard because of their many words. And so heathen people, many times, in an attempt to be religious, they want to put on a show and use a lot of words. And you know what? God is not interested in whether or not you can say it in King James. 
The only reason that I used the King James this morning for that text was because it's the actual wording of the prayer that we've all learned how to pray, which is a has been mislabeled the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is in John 17. This right here is the disciples' prayer. I know that you can open any number of Bibles and you'll go to it and it'll say the Lord's Prayer, but this is really what the Lord told the disciples how to pray. So if we're really being technical, this is the disciples' prayer. He was teaching them. He said, when you pray... Ask according to this manner is what the King James says. And in Luke chapter 11, it gives the same kind of story. He says, when you pray, say. Everybody say, say. So I think it's important that we don't just think that we can think the prayer. Now, I know that God can hear. He can know our thoughts. And there are times when you can't necessarily pray out loud, that you do just have to breathe a prayer into your breath. But I believe it's important in the exercise of learning that prayer is spoken. Because God utilizes the power of the spoken word. Everybody say, say it. Okay? So death and life are in the power of the tongue. When you are born again, you are born again because the Bible says you believe in your heart and you speak it with your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. For with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. So what God has already done in the heart first, my mouth speaks it. It brings a covenant to pass between me and the Father. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the reason when you stand and the second most important decision that you make, and that is the mate that you choose, you stand before God and the witnesses of family and friends and you speak vows because it's the same kind of an idea of an oral covenant that has been spoken in sickness and in health till death do us part. You are standing and promising. You're speaking the words and you're, you're making a vow of fidelity, making a vow of faithfulness. You're declaring by your life and by the grace of God and the word of the Lord that this threefold covenant between husband, wife, and God it is a triangular covenant. It's brought into being. You've already been joined in spirit and in soul before you come down to that altar. And you then cut that covenant verbally. And then you consummate that covenant as a husband and wife. And then are joined in and become one flesh in the consummation. So it's the whole same process of why we praise because God is utilizing the power of the spoken word. We are declaring into the earth... Where the problems and the circumstances are, we are speaking the word of heaven into the earth. Somebody say amen. amen. So don't be showy. We don't do it before people. And then don't be wordy. You don't have to worry about trying to say these and thous and straightforwards and albeits and all of those kinds of things. God is really more interested in your just being yourself and talking to him just like you do your spouse. Well, maybe not just like you talk to your spouse sometimes. <laughs> Number two, it is not about rote. It's about real. It's not about rote. It's about real. It's about relationship. Okay? Relationship is this thing that I am sharing from my heart when I begin to enter into a place of prayer and that I, it's not just a monologue where I'm doing all the talking, but I stop to listen so that when the Spirit of the Lord speaks to my heart in the still, small voice of the Spirit, then I can 
understand and hear what he's saying. Many times God will speak from the pages of the written word. We pray to him. And then many times in our, in our prayer time, in our meditation on the word, he will cause something literally to just jump off the page and to become electrified in us. And you can know that it's like a hot coal that the spirit of God has just taken off the altar and put there before you. And that's the blessing of a relationship, of a shared communication. It's not a monologue, but it's a dialogue. It's a message that is sent and shared. And then there's feedback that comes back. And so we're hearing the voice of the Lord. We're learning the word of the Lord. Now, I just want to tell you that this <coughs> prayer that many of us have learned from the time that we were children. If you've grown up in church, you've learned to say the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, so on and so forth. I really don't believe that Jesus was teaching them to sit down and knock out 89 words. I don't think... And I don't know that that's the exact number. I'm just throwing a number out. However many words there are in the Lord's Prayer, I don't think it's about rote. And let me just say something. I don't want in any way to be offensive to you who might have come from a Roman Catholic background. But I, I do have to just say this because it's, it's helpful to some people who might have had that background. I think it's wrong-headed for us to ever think that the Lord's Prayer should be used as punitive to do penance for something that you did a, made a mistake or had a sin. I don't think you should ever have to say five Our Fathers and six Hail Marys in order to, first of all, you can't do any of that to pay for your sin. It's only the blood of Jesus that can pay for your sin anyway. And don't shout me down, but I'm telling you some truth right now. And I think it's wrongheaded, and it's, we, we start to shift ourselves into a kind of thinking that prayer is actually God punishing me. And children grow up with that mentality if we've come from and, and there are some wonderful things about the heritage that I just mentioned. And I, I do not in any way want to be offensive to anyone, whatever. We've all had positive and negatives from our religious heritages, our backgrounds from which we've come. And we're thankful for them. They lay good foundation in us. But if we're honest, there's something in every one of them that needs a little bit of adjustment. Say amen. amen. Okay. So I believe that God wants us not to use this prayer as rote, where we just... Speed it off, our Father, turn him to heaven. The kingdom of heaven. You see what I'm saying? People sometimes do that, thinking, "Okay, I've checked off this thing off my spiritual list today, and God's happy because I've prayed." First of all, God's happy with you, whether you actually pray or not. He loves you regardless. His love for you is unconditional. Amen. Can I have an amen right now? Grace. We need some grace in our understanding of. This whole, this whole thing of it's not about trying to earn my favor. I'm not trying to get a gold star from God. Prayer is not about any of that. Prayer is about the fact that he's made me a new creation and he's ignited something on the inside of me and he's given me a connection. The connection that was broken due to sin now has been reconnected. It's better and stronger than it ever was. This is not about rote, but this is using prayer as a guide. When I use it as a guide, I begin to think through what I have memorized, wrote, but now I make it real. I let it flow out of my relationship. Now, I'd like you to take your message notes there in the bulletin, and if you would, on the blank left side of the page, I want you to write four big letters in vertical fashion. I want you to write P-R-A-Y, which spells the word pray. Everybody write pray from top to bottom on the left of your blank page of your message notes. And we're going to put in an acrostic here. The acrostic for pray is praise, request, 
admit and yield. Praise, request, admit, and yield. Now, I can't take credit for this. Pastor Haley is starting an amazing series this week in uh, Victory Kids, and your children right now are being taught this acrostic. Praise, request, admit, yield. All month long with us, you'll have an opportunity to go home and have a, a spiritual conversation with your children about what it means to talk to the Lord about areas of need. To First of all, begin in praise. Look at your neighbor and say, don't start off asking. In other words, when you come to God, it's, it's not about just taking your grocery list or your Christmas wish list. Okay, But it's about acknowledging who He is. We begin by saying, Our Father. Point number four, begin by affirming the connection. He is our Father. Guys, do you realize how amazing that concept is that I've just shared with you? For 4,000 years, a nation or a people have prayed in the name of somebody else's God. Because God was revealed to this people and the patriarch... The chief father, Patriarche, the patriarch of Abraham. And when they would pray, they would say, in the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Three generations. God revealed himself to Abraham. He carried that on in passing the baton to Abraham's son Isaac. And then Isaac passed it on to his son Jacob. And so the patriarchs, the chief fathers, are spoken of as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And every faithful Israelite would pray in the name of the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they were praying in the name of somebody else's God. Yes, he was their God. But Jesus turned that whole religious wordy, showy kind of a thing upside down on its ear. And he said, you know what? When you pray, I want you to say, our Father. Now notice it doesn't say my Father. But it's our Father. It's my Father and Greg Lackey's Father. And that means that he is in this thing with me. It is our. It is, it is a plural possessive. It is the fact that when I get Jesus, I get all of the people that he brings with him. Now, that's the problem. I love you, dude. It's our Father. And it's the fact that we're going to have to wrestle through sometimes some relationship issues in order to recognize that it is our Father. It's my Father and it's your Father. And it's our Father. And that means that if I am going to be in union and fellowship with Him, I'm also going to have to be in union and fellowship with you. Which, if you'll notice, that's the very shape of the cross right there. I'm reaching up and I'm reaching out. And that's the focus of this prayer. It's going to deal with reaching up to Him and reaching out to others in our needs. Using the prayer as a guide. When I begin, I start out myself and I think my way through this guide of this prayer. And I just say, Father, I thank you that you're my Father. Thank you that you're our Father, that you're Dawn and Drews and Abbeys and, and the people of Victory Church and my friends down at First Baptist and, and Lord at First Assembly. And I thank you, Lord, for Crittenden County. And I, and I begin to think about this thing that's larger and bigger than just me, us four, and no more. But I start to think about the fact that our Father is the Father of the whole universe and that, that I'm in this with some other people and this vision is growing and enlarging and increasing in the very same way that the universe is continuously growing at the speed of light, 186 and so much change miles per second. The, the, the kingdom of God is also on the increase and advancing to the same proportions. Our Father. And your Father, you're in heaven. 
Our Father which art in heaven, you, you, you're reigning, you are sovereign, you are Lord over all of creation. Number five, you begin to see his sovereign power and rule and you start to recognize that he's transcendent, he's great, and he's good at the same time. Father, I thank you that you're our Father and that you, you reign over the whole situation on this planet, our economy and our leadership and, Lord, our local church and our family and all of this hour. And you keep thinking in terms of a plural possessive hour. You see his sovereign power and rule and you begin to praise and worship him because his name reveals his character or his nature. I don't have time to, to go through a long list of the multiple compound names of God, but he reveals himself all over the Old Covenant. One of the very first ones is in Genesis 22 when Abraham takes Isaac to the mountain and he's going to have to sacrifice his own son and God is waiting to see if Abraham loved the promise of God more than he loved the God of the promise. And he raises the knife to sacrifice his son. And in that moment, the angel of the Lord stays his hand. And he looks around and there's a ram caught in the bush. And God reveals himself to Abraham as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees and provides. Amen. And without telling you the story of every one of these, because there's a good 20 of them. Jehovah Nisi is the Lord our banner. Jehovah Roe is the Lord my shepherd, Psalm 23. Jehovah Sidkenu is the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Shalom is the Lord our peace. And it goes, Jehovah Makedesh is the Lord our sanctifier, the Lord our holiness. And it goes on and on and on and on. And the fact that I want to tell you that you don't have to know all those names to pray through them, but if you know a little bit about that, I want you to know that there's one name that sums up all those names, and that's the name of Jesus, the name that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. He is our healer. He's our peace. He's our provider. He, he is our holiness. He's our sanctifier. He's our shepherd. He's our guide. Come on, somebody. And when you can stop and you say, holy is your name. Jesus, I thank you that you're my provider. Jesus, I thank you that you're my source. You're my comfort. You're my peace. You're my guide. Jesus, I thank you. And just put in the blank. Fill it in and just begin to call him all that he is. Because that's what you're doing when you're saying, Holy is your name, Lord. Our Father, which art in heaven, you're sovereign. You rule over all this stuff. And, and holy is your name. The name of Jesus is higher than every other name. Do you see what I'm doing with this prayer that we've been taught to just slam 89 words quickly? But I'm using it as a guide. and I'm, I'm praying through it. And notice that everything I've done so far is the P. It's praise. Everybody say praise. praise. I go a ways before I start making requests. I praise God. I begin to magnify His name. I begin to enlarge. Guess what happens? Because when I start enlarging my own thinking about how big and amazing He is, my faith starts to grow so I can tackle these problems. And it's no longer, God, I've got a big problem. It's, oh my goodness, look at you little stinking problem. I've got this great big God that I've been praising Him. This is why Jesus wanted us to pray these red letter prayers. Now notice... When you move out of this praise, the very first request you make is not for your own, but it's the priority. Your top priority, number six, is to seek first his kingdom. You say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You say, come kingdom of God. You're saying, government and peace of God come into my life. Bring discipline, 
Lord, out of my lap. Bring order out of my chaos. Let the kingdom of God, the government of the Lord, come into my life in 2013. Come, kingdom of God, to Victory Church. Come, kingdom of God, to the Smith family. Come, kingdom of God, to the sick and to the wounded and to the broken. Come, kingdom of God. When I start to talk about seeking first his kingdom, when I put my heart on the things that affects God's heart, he will see to it that the things that are on my heart are taken care of. Can I have an amen? Amen. Number seven, your praying purpose, this is where we miss it. Is that we see prayer as something where I can wrestle blessings out of the hand of God. And I see it as God bending his will to me. And that's completely improper. That is man-centered. The real top priority, my praying purpose, is going in and bending my will to his. And saying, not my will, but yours be done. I'm saying, come kingdom of God, be done will of God in my life. Now, if we can begin from the prospect. Remember Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet. Literally in the Greek, that word closet is the word pantry. Now, your pantry in your house has what in it? All the stuff that you disperse to the people of your house. It's got food. If it's a big pantry, it may have a section of some cleaning supplies. Uh, You may have some linens and stuff in there if you've got a big walk-in pantry. And what God is saying is if you'll learn that I've already given you everything, I've blessed you with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ, your prayer time is to get into a pantry and to begin to disperse and to dispense the blessings that I've already given to you. You don't have to try to wrestle the favor of God or the blessing of God out of the Lord's hands. He's put you into a place where everything you need is already there. I'm surprised y'all didn't give me a better amen Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Pantry prayers. Your praying purpose is bending your will to his. It is not trying to get him to bring his will in line with me. But I'm submitting my will to his. Number eight, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Earth is the hot spot. I remember hearing growing up that says, man, one of these days when I get to heaven, I'm going to whoop the devil all over the place. And I asked him one day, I said, well, is the devil even going to be there? Why is it we want to put off some of our greatest victories to the future when God intends you to have some victory, right? This is the critical place right here. Heaven is fine. Heaven has order. Heaven has the rule of God. Heaven has health and healing and wholeness and peace. And there's not tension. There's not strife. But it's right here in the middle of all the stuff that I have to deal with. Earth is the hot spot. It's where I have to bring the word of heaven down to bear in the middle of the crisis that I'm currently involved in. In earth as it is in heaven. Now this is when I first begin to make requests that have anything to do with me. I've praised God and I've requested that God would extend his kingdom and his will and his rule Bring it to bear in the earth as it is in heaven. And then, number nine, once my heart is in line with his, then I begin to make my needs known. You know, it's not just give us this day or daily bread, but it's, God, I need you to help me. I, I, need, I need an increase. God, I got some bills that I need to pay. Uh, Lord, this, this, this car broke down, and it's, it's, it's $1,500, and I don't have it. God, I need you to multiply, bring some blessings somewhere. God, I don't just want to live the rest of my life off of credit cards. God, I, I just thank you that you're going to make, make room. You're going to create some blessings somehow. And you start to make your needs known. But you've already gotten your heart lined up and in sync with his 
by submitting your will to his. And guess what happens, he says, when we pray according to his will, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. So I think the key is not trying to go through a list, but it's just taking the time to get my heart right. Sometimes that's what prayer does. Just gets me submitted to his will. Earth is the hot spot. Once your heart is in line with his, make your needs known. Number 10. I bet some of you came in here and looked at this today and thought, Lord, pastor's going to preach three hours with 12 points. <laughs> but I'm doing really good here. I'm at number 10. Can you believe it? This is where you begin to admit. Praise, request, admit. I start to admit that I'm still in process, that I'm still growing, that I may occasionally sin with my thoughts, with my words, or with my deeds. And I ask God to forgive me, and he says, as you forgive others. So I make a decision in that time of prayer every day when I'm lifting up people. I just say, Father, I thank you that you cover me by the blood of Jesus, and I choose today. This is my statement that I make in my prayer time. I choose today to walk in forgiveness. Thank you for the forgiveness that you've given to me. Out of that blessing, I want to dispense to others. I want to release. I don't want to hold a log. I don't want to have an account I don't want to have a log in my eye, not so much a piece of wood, but as it is a written list of the things where you've ticked me off. God, I want to tear up the log. I, I, matter of fact, the, the Greek word for here is logosomahi, and it has that idea of a logos, of an account in it. And when I release, I'm letting somebody go from the log that I have in my thinking because of where they've offended me. And I make the choice. God, I decide to walk in forgiveness. I'm going to pull the log out of my own eye. I'm going to let the log go. I'm going to tear up the log book of the record of all the wrongs. Remember 1 Corinthians 13? Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love hopes all things, believes all things, bears all things, loves the truth. So out of that, Father, out of your love for me, I make a decision to walk in forgiveness. Number 11. What does he say next? We've prayed through it. Our Father. Thank you that you're our Father. You're in heaven. You're sovereign. You rule. Your, your, your name is holy. All of this amazing revelation of what you gave to those people in the Old Covenant is all tied up in Jesus. The name of Jesus. Come kingdom of God. Be done will of God. In earth as it is in heaven. I've, I've, I've taken every one of these and I've used it as a guide and I've prayed through it. Not by rote, but making it real in a relationship. And I've started to think through my needs and I've lifted them to God. And I've made the decision to walk in forgiveness. And now I'm down to the end of the prayer. I expect guidance and distractions and protection from the enemy. I just say, Father, thank you that you lead us not into temptation, but you deliver us from the evil one. God knows our frame. He knows that we are as dust. Psalm 103. But you know what? The Bible says he pities us. His grace is upon us. He knows that you're going to face things that are bigger than you are. And it's only by the fact that the greater one is on the inside of you that will empower you to make the right choice when you face, stand in the face of those temptations. God, thank you that you lead me through them in Jesus' name. And you deliver me from the power of the evil one. Thank you that he does not have a place or a foothold in my life. Thank you, Lord, that you give me guidance in these distractions and you give me protection from the enemy. And you know what? Make that real. Make that personal. Lift that up where you know that something is coming against you. This is where you don't just pray the words by road and say, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. But you, 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 you call it what it is. God, you see what I'm struggling with. Give me power in the face of this. Help me to overcome it. Let me put it behind me. And call it what it is. 
Be strong. Say what it is. You know, let me tell you something. I, I, I don't think that it ever does any good just to throw a blanket prayer and say, God, forgive me my sins. I think we need to call them what they are. God, forgive me and call it what it is. Because it's in breaking of that denial that God gives us the strength to see it overcome. <coughs> Lead me not into temptation. And, and name it. Deliver me from the evil one. God, I thank you that the Spirit of God on the inside of me is greater than the one who is trying to get inside of me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It's what the Word of the Lord promises. And finally, number 12, and I'm finished this morning. It's all from him, through him, and to him. That is the phrase, for thine is the kingdom. It's all from him. And the power. That's that's. Literally through him. It's by him. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thine is the kingdom. It's from him. Thine is the power. It's through him. And thine is the glory. It's to him. All of it. Lord, in the middle of all of this, I thank you that everything that I'm walking through, that you are ordering my steps. Because the Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Thine is the kingdom. It is yours. Thine is the power. Thank you that you pour it out and I'm able to do this through you and through you alone. I can't do anything apart from you, O oh God. Thine is the glory. Lord, everything that I do, let it bring glory and honor to you. It's from Him and it's through Him and it's to Him. You know what? That only begins. The power of what I'm talking about only begins when you know that you already have a relationship that's been established with him, that you are his child, and that you can say with us in the plural possessive, our Father. Would you bow your hearts and your heads with me, please, this morning, as we bring this message to a close, this service to an end. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this day, for the power that you've shown us in how to pray the disciples' prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth, hot spot, as it is in heaven. Lord, you know our needs before we ask them. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We make the decision today to walk in forgiveness and to release those who have offended and hurt us. Lord, we thank you that you don't lead us into temptation, but you give us a guide in the middle of the distractions. You protect us from the enemy. You deliver us from the evil one. For it's all from you and through you and to you. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory of Lord, I thank you that if there's anyone this morning under the sound of my voice that does not know you as Father, Lord, that you're reaching to them right now by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, in this moment, I just ask that as you regenerate hearts and you touch and change lives and you prepare them for your kingdom, Thank you, Lord, that we know that there's nothing that any of us can ever do to earn it or deserve it. But the law of God reckons every one of us completely guilty and deserving of death. Thank you for Jesus who came and took our place. And that law of accusation was nailed to the cross and you took it out of the way. Father, thank you that today that I stand because of grace and faith that you've given. I thank you for my brother and my sister and the sound of my voice that may have never crossed that line of faith that understands right now that you're reaching to them and all they have to do is say, Jesus, save me. The Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you've never crossed that line of faith and you'd like to be prayed for right now, I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm getting there's anyone. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. 
If you would, and you'd like to be included in this prayer, would you just slip up your hand, please, for just a second? Anybody in the room? Anyone? All right, the saints that are here today, thank you for your, for your presence, for your understanding, for your heart to seek the Lord, to understand the importance of prayer. I'm going to ask you today, this is my commitment. I'm asking God for a fresh start in this new year to be committed to pray first. It's a lot that was given to you today, and I'd encourage you to go back and maybe listen to it again on the podcast. But I don't think you'll forget that little acronym. Praise, request, admit, yield. Yield to the Lord. Praise, request, admit, yield. And with that commitment today, I'm I'm lifting my hand to the Lord to say, Father, I make a commitment in 2013 to pray first. How many of you would do that with me today? In the name of Jesus. Father, thank you for these hands. Thank you, Lord, that you're our Father. All of these amazing truths that we've talked through today in this great disciples' prayer. Show us, Lord, how to make it real. It's about a relationship. Lord, as we commit to pray first, to not do everything first and then say, well, I guess it's time to pray, but to put prayer first and to seek your face. You've promised us, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and guide us. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, put your hands.